was too certain for shepherds in fields where they lay in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that
this morning, we're going to continue with uh, worship.
Jesus is waiting. God so loved the world. How many of y'all believe that this morning? same God that never fails. He won't fail me now. No, you won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God that's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the valley, yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I I count on one thing The same God that's never laid
shall come with trumpet sounds. Who oh, may I then in him be found? Dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless stand before the throne. Good morning. How many of you are glad that it's Christmas time finally? Anybody besides me? I love Christmas. Uh, Christmas time, a time where we get together with family and, and friends and we're able to celebrate. And this Christmas may look a little different this year for, for some, but I, I'm just excited uh, to be in this season of Christmas. You know, last week, if, if you weren't here, I gave a couple of ideas for gifts that you could get that special uh, someone in your life. Uh, one was a, a nice car. One was a nice necklace. So hopefully you guys have been out shopping for those this week and getting them ready and wrapped up for Christmas. Uh, but I was thinking this week uh, several times, I was thinking about some of the Christmas gifts that I've received over the years. And I mentioned last week, you know, we all have uh, probably some gift that we can think back on that had a special meaning to us. 
And I'm not sure why, but this year I kept thinking back to a special gift that I got one year, which was a, a unicycle. Now, can you picture me on a unicycle? I know that's a good image for you. But I remember as a kid, uh, one of the uh, events that they had at our school, they had a guy come in on a unicycle. And he was doing all kinds of tricks on this unicycle. And I was looking at him and thinking, man, that would be so cool to be able to do that. So I started asking for a unicycle for Christmas. And sure enough, Christmas time came and there was a unicycle underneath the tree that year. And I took that unicycle out and I thought, man, I'm going to do so good on this unicycle. And I got up on it and I remember the first time I tried to set up on it and that thing shot out from under me. And I thought, what in the world? So I tried it again and did it again. And so it took me a while to realize maybe if I prop it up somewhere that I can climb on it and learn how to ride it. It took me forever to learn how to ride that unicycle. But eventually I learned how. And I got to where I was pretty good on it. And I could do a few little tricks, nothing like that guy that I saw that I had hoped that unicycle would be able to do for me. Uh, he could play basketball on it. He could jump around on it. I can't play basketball off of a unicycle. I don't know why I thought I could play it on a unicycle, but I thought maybe I could. There was hope that this unicycle would bring all this joy into my life, and it did for a while. And then my brother decided that he wanted a unicycle, but to outdo me, he didn't want the little short unicycle. He wanted the tall unicycle, and he got it, and he learned how to ride it real quick. And so I started learning how to ride it. That was much harder to get on, by the way. And then once I finally got on it and thought, man, I'm doing good, then I started thinking, how do you get off of this thing? <laughs> Took me a while to figure that out. Then we, we lived outside of town. We moved into town. And we, we lived in a house where the driveway was in the back. And I would get on that tall unicycle and I would ride it down the alley. And I always wondered what the people inside the house looking out thought. Because it was just underneath the fence line, so they couldn't see the unicycle. And they're probably thinking, that is a 12-foot kid walking down our alley. And it was kind of cool because I could see in their yards and all that. And then after a while, that got to where it wasn't that much fun to ride. Actually, it was a lot of work to ride it because it's not like a bicycle where you can pedal and get going fast and coast a little bit. You're always just going. What I thought would bring me joy for a while, what I was hoping would bring me joy for a while did, but after a while, that joy was gone. I mean, it just kind of faded away. You know, at Christmas time, it's a reminder that we need hope in our lives, right? Hope in our world, especially this year. I mean, looking back on this year, hope, I was hoping that by the time Christmas came, all this pandemic stuff would be long gone. It would be a thing of the past. We wouldn't even remember it anymore. Anybody else like that? But here we are, and it's still there. We need hope in our lives. And Christmas is a reminder of the hope that we have through Jesus Christ. We're in a Christmas series that we've entitled, For God So Loved. For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That is hope. And when we look at the Christmas story, 
When we look at what happened in that, that little manger, the hope that came into the world, I hope that that's an encouragement to us this year. You know, hope is a very interesting thing. Hope is the idea that somehow life can be better. It's the idea that no matter what kind of difficulties that we're facing in life, no matter what kind of oppression that we may be under, that somehow life can be better. Hope is that thing that we look at that says, man, if I only had this or if if this would only happen, that everything would fall into place and, and there would be joy again in my life. There would be hope in my life that would help me get through each and every day. And through the scripture, we see that we serve a God that from the beginning, even to this very day, has never left his people. Aren't you glad for that? That even in the crazy world that we live in with chaos and everything else, God has never left his people. But what we do see is that his people often leave him. And when we do, where is the hope? He has reminded us and he reminds us through the Christmas story that he is faithful and his presence has remained constant. I've been reminded in my own life that even through this very well-packaged holiday called Christmas, that when we get beyond all the decoration and the lights and the trees and the parties and the family, all the celebration that goes on, when we get beyond all of that, we are still a people in need of hope. We need hope in our lives. For many of us in our lives, there is a little thing sometimes that we have that's called fear. And we allow that fear to build up and that fear to kind of take control. That fear to begin to work in our minds and even in our hearts at times and it begins to control us. And because of that fear that we have in our life, it's a reminder that we need hope. For some, Uh, There are areas of oppression and and areas where they feel like life is just collapsing in on them. Have you ever been there? And you feel like, I don't know that I can go on. And we begin to ask, where is the hope? For some, there's, there's doubt. There's discouragement. There's all these different things that go on in our life that sometimes cause us to ask and to seek, where is the hope? Well, I want us to look again today at the the Christmas story that we're going to see in Matthew chapter 1. And in a moment, we'll be looking uh, beginning at verse 18. You know, I believe that our expectations that we have in life are tied to our hope. They tie right in with our hope. It intermingles. And at Christmas time, our hope goes up because of our expectations. And for me, that as a kid, that one time, that expectation of that one gift that could really change my life. And many people still have that expectation today. Maybe I'm going to get something this year for Christmas that's going to make a difference. Something that is going to last. It's going to bring hope for a long time. Sometimes our, our hope is in the get-togethers, the different parties that we have, just being able to get together with friends and family and the hope that we have in that of being able to connect with one another in just a special way that happens at Christmas time. And our hope goes up. Our hope goes up because of the expectations that we have at Christmas, but sometimes that hope is short-lived because when the tree goes down and the lights go away, 
and things kind of go back to normal. All those things that we put our hope in, we find out are short-lived because our hope was in the wrong thing. You will never find lasting hope in this world in anything other than Jesus Christ. Let me say that one more time because that's good stuff. You will never find hope, lasting hope, in anything in this world other than Jesus Christ. And so today I want us to just take a look at, again, the Christmas story that is very familiar to us as we look at the manger. And I want to ask this question today. What is it that we have placed our hope in? What is it that we're looking at that we're thinking is going to make our life somewhat better? You know, we've been reminded this year, I was looking back at the, or reflecting back at the election time and, and how much chaos that brought into our world this year. But I was thinking back four years ago when President Trump was elected, and you'll remember this, that they set up on college campuses cry rooms for people. And, and I remember when that happened, I was thinking, what in the world is going on? And the problem is that people had placed their hope so much in an individual, and when that individual didn't get elected, their world was devastated. They didn't know how things were going to happen. And we may sit back and laugh at that, but I want to tell you, there's been people this year in this election going, our person did not win. The world is going to fall apart. The world is coming to an end. Why? Because we place our hope in a certain person. And could it very well be that God is reminding us today that don't place your hope in any individual. Place your hope in me. God is still in control. Woo, that's good. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. Because God is in control of today, tomorrow, and forever. And the Christmas story reminds us of that. Now, you need to understand that our Christmas story does not begin in, in Matthew. It actually begins back in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, where it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created back in the very beginning, and he created man, and God had fellowship with man in the garden. And as we all know the story, man chose to go his own way. And when man chose to go his own way, that created a separation between man and God, and it brought chaos into this world. Now, if you jump ahead all the way to the end of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 21 and verses 1 and 2, John writes these words. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. So in the beginning, God created this perfect place, and then man messed it up. And then in the end, we see this new heaven, this new earth, this perfect place that is coming down. In the beginning, God created. In the end, God is still creating but all of this in the middle, there's chaos. And there's going to be chaos until Jesus comes. Hate to tell you that. There's always going to be chaos in this world until Jesus comes. Until we see this new heaven and this new earth. When we will be with him in heaven for all of eternity. So from Genesis 1 until Revelation 21, there will be chaos. God knew that. And again, God is not caught by surprise, and, and God 
still has a plan. And we see that plan in the Christmas story. Look with me, if you would, at Matthew, beginning, Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. It says, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will Name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord, Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Matthew, in verse 22, begins to tie in who this Jesus is. He says, this is the one who was talked about through the prophets. This is the one that the prophets said would bring hope into the world. This is the one that the prophets said was coming. This is the Messiah that you have been waiting for. This is the one that the prophets said would come into this chaotic world and turn things upside down or right side up. He is the one that's going to come. He is the one that's going to make a difference. And Matthew is pointing out that this is who this Jesus is. Now this language may mean a little bit more to us this year than it has in the past. But I still don't think it really means as much to us as it did the people that heard this for the first time back in Matthew's day. Because most of us have never had to live under a lot of oppression in our lives. A lot of us have never lived under the oppression that these folks were living under in that day. The people were living in an oppressed state under Roman rule. It is estimated that they were paying 80 to 90% of their income in taxes. And a lot of them couldn't pay the, the taxes, and so they were losing their land to the government. And they would still have to work the land. They would still have to find jobs and they would still have to do things under this oppression to continue to live. They were under a high tax rate. Uh, it is said that back in that day that there was just a few that were very wealthy and everyone else was very poor. And they were living under this rule of here's how you're going to live, here's what you're going to do. And it was great oppression as the government had their hand upon everything that they did. And the people were wondering in that day, is there any hope? Is there anything that we can do? Or are we always going to have to live under the rule of these people over us? And then they were questioning, does evil always win? Because of that control, there's a lot of evil at the top. 
And you see this evil that's going on and it's like it never ends. And people question, when will it stop? Boy, we see that in our world today, don't we? All this evil that's out there. And we question, how do they keep getting away with it? How do they keep doing what they're doing? God, do, do you even see what is happening? And there's things going on in their lives, and we have things at times in our lives that we feel oppressed, and sometimes it does cause us to question, God, are you even there? God, do you recognize what's going on in my life? Do you, do you care what's going on in my life? And that's the way that a lot of these people were. Many of them were questioning, where is the hope? And I wonder today, in our world, and maybe even in this room, if people around us are questioning, where is our hope? Is there any hope? God, are you there? God, do you care? And the answer to that is, yes, God is there. And yes, God cares. And yes, there is hope. In Matthew, he says, here is the one who has come. The Messiah that the prophets told you about. In Jesus, hope has arrived. In Jesus, hope has come. Now this morning as we consider this child that was born in the manger, I want us to see this hope that has come. As we look at this manger, we see first of all the God that saves. For those that were hearing this story for the first time in verse 21, they said, they heard this story that his name is Jesus. Now, Jesus comes from the Hebrew word Yeshua, which is the same word for Joshua. And Yeshua is a compound word from two roots, Yah meaning God and Shua meaning saves, or the Lord saves, Yahshua, the Lord saves. So this one has come, and you will call him the Lord saves. You will call him Jesus. You know, as we go through this season and we hear the name Jesus, the birth of Jesus, we need to be reminded that Jesus means God saves. There is hope in the world because God has sent the one who saves. There is just something about that name Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, there's something about that name. Say that name with me. Jesus. Jesus. And we're going to hear that name over this next week as people talk about the birth of Christ, the birth of Jesus Christ. Let it be a reminder that this is the God who sent hope to the world, the God who has not forgotten his people, the God who has heard the cry of his people, and he has sent us his son, Jesus. Now, 2020 has been a crazy year for a lot of people. A year of sickness, a year of disease, a, a year of death, a year of separation, a year of having to cover up your face and people not even being able to see what you really look like. For some, it's not a bad thing. But we like looking at people, don't we? You know, you can tell a lot when you look at someone's face. But even when they're wearing a mask, you can tell a lot when you look into their eyes. And sometimes you can see that the hope is gone. Jesus. Hope comes through this Jesus. Now, last week, when we looked at our passage, we saw that Jesus comes into the world in a time where we are separated from God because of our sin. 
that because of all the things that have gone on in this world, there's been a separation. But God sent his son into this world, and through him we can find salvation. Through this Jesus, salvation comes. It is God coming to save the people. And as we look at the manger, the second thing that we see is the God who meets us where we are. In verse 23, he says that his name will be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. And so as, as Matthew tells the story, he says that in Christ we have the God that is with us and he is the God who saves. Listen, we need to understand and be reminded this Christmas, God is not far away. God is right here with us. God is in our midst. God is in our presence. And even at times when we don't feel like it, even at times where we, we don't see his hand moving around us, we can trust that God has never left us, that God has never forsaken us, that God is here in our midst. Emmanuel, God with us. That is great news. The beautiful thing about the Christmas story is we look at the manger, we see the hope from the past become reality. And at the manger, God makes a bold statement that when he comes, he doesn't come to kings, he doesn't come to generals, he doesn't come to presidents, he comes to everyday, ordinary, average people just like you and I. That's what we see in the manger. We see a God who comes. We see it throughout the Christmas story. We see a God who comes to everyday, ordinary people. He shows up to Mary and Joseph. Everyday, ordinary people going through life as normal for them. Now, it says that, uh, that Mary and Joseph, this couple that was planning to be married, were pledged to one another. Now, you need to understand that in this day, when they were pledged to one another, they would go through a ceremony like a wedding ceremony. And at the end of the ceremony, they were pledged to one another, but they weren't together yet. And most of the families back in that day lived close to one another, kind of in a, a compound, I guess, for a lack of better words. And so after they would go through this ceremony, the husband would go and he would begin to build a home for him and his new wife, his new family. And he would go, he would take a year and he would build this, this home. And then once this home was completed... Then he would come back and he would receive his wife unto himself. They would go to this home that he has built for her and they would begin their family and that's where they would live. And when you think about that, that gives a, a little better meaning to John the 14th chapter where Jesus talking to his disciples, his followers, and he says, I'm going away. And I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And when that place is prepared... I'm coming again to receive you unto myself. So the people in this day understood that. And when they, when they look at the life of Joseph, how he goes away to prepare this place, it's ordinary people living ordinary lives, and God shows up. And when God shows up, everything changes. When God shows up, their world is rocked in a great way. Their world changes. Everyday people doing everyday things. Then we see the shepherds out in the field. You know the shepherds that are out there watching their flock by night? Shepherds, some of the, the lowest on the status of people in that day. The shepherds out watching their flock. Ordinary people doing what they ordinary do, ordinarily do every night, watching the sheep. They're at work. They're doing their job. They're doing what they 
live to do, or what gives them a living to do, and God shows up. And when God shows up, their world changes, not just for that day, but forever. And then you have the, the magi, the kings, the stargazers, ordinary people doing their ordinary thing. And I don't know exactly how all this comes together. We're not told in Scripture, but I can just see them as they're out there, they're studying the stars. And all of a sudden, there's a different star in the sky. And they began to wonder what that star is about. And God reveals to them that this star is going to lead you to the one that has come, that the prophets have talked about, the Savior of the world. And they began to follow this star. Ordinary people doing ordinary things. God shows up and their life is changed forever. That's the way God works. God showing up in ordinary lives, in ordinary people when they need him the most. Through the Christmas story, we not only see a God who has never left, never forgotten about his people, but we see a God who has heard the cry of his people and he shows up right where they are. And when we look at the manger, that smelly stable with the other animals around and you can picture the dirtiness of the stable, that is a great reminder to us that God will show up even to the lowest in the lowest, smelliest places to meet us where we are. No matter what we're going through in life, God is there. God loves us. For many people at Christmas time, we'll see them. They have smiles on their faces on the outside, but sometimes on the inside, they're broken. They're hurting. There's things going on that we cannot see, things that, that we don't understand. There's some people that during this time of the year, it brings on depression that some of us don't quite understand. There's hurt, there's pain in people's lives. And again, this year, looking back over the year, there's a lot of hurt in people's lives. Some people's lives have been changed forever through this pandemic and not in a positive way. And there's hurt. But even in that hurt, even in that pain, when we look at the manger, we're reminded that God meets us right where we are. Christmas, the story of Jesus, the one who saves, God who is with us, who shows up. We also see in the manger that God dwells among us. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. 
The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John tells us that this God who met his people in a manger is the same God who has entered into this world as the light of the world. And for all who receive him, he gives the right to become children of God and he dwells among us. The great thing about our God is that he is not some faraway God. Again, he is a God that is with us and not only with us, but when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, he is a God who is now in us. And when he is in us, living through us, his light begins to shine through us for others around to see. He is the light of the world, the Savior who comes to set us free and to give us hope. He is the light of the world, and he comes to give light through us. In the manger, we see the light has come, and this light overcomes the world. We know the story. Jesus was born in a manger. He began to grow. He lived his life every day, faced temptations the same way that we face temptations, and yet he never sinned. And because of that, he was the perfect sacrifice. That relationship that was messed up back in the garden through Jesus, there's hope and it is now restored. He became that perfect sacrifice and we know the story. He went to the cross and he died for each and every one of us. He didn't stay on the cross. They buried him in the tomb and he didn't stay in the tomb. And three days later, he rose again. And because of what he did on the cross for us, and because of his death, burial, and resurrection, now through him we have hope and we have life. And he is the light of the world. He is the one who comes to shine the light for all who have no hope, for all who would come to him, for anyone who would receive him. This forces us to ask a question today. Where does my hope lie? Where is my hope today? Is my hope in Jesus Christ or is my hope in something else? Some people place their hope in their family. Some people place hope in a job. Some place hope in in finances or other things in this world. If you haven't noticed anything else in 2020, notice this, that whatever you have placed hope in in this world, it can go away real quick. But Jesus never leaves. He is the light of the world. He is our hope. He is the one who truly gives life. And for those who believe in him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Are you one of his children today? A lot of people think that they're a child of God because they were born in what once was a Christian nation. Or because they've attended church or because they're in a Christian family. But what makes you a child of God is when you come to that point in your life where you recognize who Jesus is, the God who saves, God with us, and you open up your heart to him and and you say, I'm going to follow you. I trust you. I'm placing my trust in you and in you alone. It is only through you that I can find salvation, and that's what I want. You know, I've never really met anyone who did not know the Christmas story or, or didn't believe the Christmas story. I know there's people out there like that. 
But in order for you to know true hope, it takes more than believing the Christmas story. It takes more than believing that Jesus Christ came and lived. It takes receiving him into your heart and your life and allowing him to be your Lord and Savior and placing your faith and trust in him. That's where the hope comes. We must allow the Christ of Christmas to come live within us. You know, for over 2,000 years, people have tried to extinguish the light of the world. We need to remember that even the faintest light cannot be quenched by the deepest darkness. As a matter of fact, the deeper the dark, the brighter the light. And I believe Jesus Christ is shining bright this Christmas for the whole world to see. Is his light shining through us for others to see? Do you know the Savior that came? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Let's pray together. Father, today I thank you for this reminder through your word, your reminder through this Christmas season of the hope that comes. And God, as we go through this week and we think about all the, the Christmas stuff that's going on around us, God, help us to remember to look at the manger and look at what happened on that first Christmas morn when you came to this world. God, help us to see your light. And maybe a way that we haven't seen your light before, may it be an encouragement to us God, may it just be a reminder that you are here with us. God, for those that may be here today that they know about Christmas, they believe about Christmas, but they've never trusted you as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray that today would be a day that you would draw them unto yourself, that your spirit would work in their life, and today they would allow you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. And God, for those of us that have done that some many years ago, some a short time ago, God, I pray that this Christmas season would be such an encouragement to us that people around us would see your light shining brightly and it would draw them to you. God, we are so grateful that you are a God who loves us, who has not forgot us, a God who is here with us in our midst. And we love you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.